What's up, Son of a Ginger listeners? I'm your co-host, Patrick Baylor, and today we're talking Frozen 2. In today's episode, Beth had some merchandising ideas. You know, you have the little lizard in Frozen 2 that we know for certain has to be on the Shop Disney website. Mason wished there was a little bit more punch dancing. Lost in the Woods, this callback to power ballads of a bygone age. I wanted the punch dancing scene from Hot Rod, but they didn't quite get to that level. And I'm interested in what this VOD release will do for kids' content as a whole. But before we start, I gotta get back to a Zoom call really quick. Yeah, John, I just wanted to circle back on your follow-up here and just let you know that the Delta is not where we need it to be, so we're gonna need you to... Oh, God, not again. Daddy, I'm tired of watching all these Thomas the Tank Engine videos on VHS. I want more content, dang it! Why can't we just get that dang Disney Plus, huh? Oh, Disney Plus. Where is that coming from? Is that Cheryl singing again? Oh, Disney Channel. Original shows. It's got all the Disney shows. The whole archive. The whole archive. And you can watch it on, like, any device, Dad. Any device, you say? Any device. You got that right, Daddy-o. And apparently it's only eight bucks a month. That's cheaper than a box of pizza. It's cheap like you. This Disney Plus does sound like it's cheap like me. Eight bucks a month, you say? Yeah, and it'll keep me entertained for hours. Well, of course I'll buy it for you then, son. I didn't need some magical ethereal voice from the woods to tell me that. You should have led with that. Here's my credit card. Now scram. For good. Oh yeah, let's get frozen, motherfuckers. Looks like they already finished the Zoom call. I guess I'll get back to my podcast. What's up, penguins, ice cubes, and everything that's frozen? It's another episode of Son of a Ginger. As always, I'm your co-host, Patrick Baylor. I'm your other co-host, Beth Marcinko. And I'm Mason Tired Moreau. (laughs) And we're all tired from staying up late and watching Frozen 2 last night, available on Disney Plus a little bit early for the corn streams for everyone. And this is a movie that came out November of 2019, released a little bit early on VOD, and we were tired and we just needed something simple, and we got that with Frozen 2. That's for sure. Yeah, there's not a ton of plot depth with Frozen 2, but I don't know. It was fun to watch. It's a Disney princess property. You see the incredible resources that Disney has in the beauty of the animation, and it was fine to look at for two hours. Yeah, of all things Disney knows how to do, it's to make animation look very pretty and to make the music sound lovely. They've been truly doing it for 100 years, and... They do it in newer, newer ways, and this was a very new-looking thing from them. Like, I found the animation to be pretty pristine. I remember, like, I think in a trade show, whatever animation company that helps make this showed how they can put Olaf anywhere. I know recently that became relevant again, where Disney's also making shorts all made remotely for, again, just more content. So it's cool to see, I guess, how animation develops with this movie. But the rest of the stuff, eh, I don't know. Bringing it back. 
a decade and change, right? Disney's now releasing these 3D animated movies, right? And so they're not going toe-to-toe with Pixar, but they're trying to play Pixar's game, right? And Pixar has been like the king of 3D animation until this point. And then they hit you with the Tangled and they hit you with the Wreck-It Ralph. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, Disney is actually really investing in the quality of these animated movies. Whereas previously they'd always sort of been kind of second rate to the Pixar offering, right? And then they hit you with Frozen, which was just this cultural phenomenon when it came out. I don't think anyone could have expected that it would have been as popular as it was. And so I guess the two out of the new class of 3D Disney movies to get sequels have been Frozen and Wreck-It Ralph. Yep. Which, if you haven't seen Ralph Breaks the Internet, loved it. It's great. Very lovely film. Also very super well animated with a lot of great imagery. Yeah. Right. Like a lot of Disney sequels, this one just was a lot more of the same, I feel. You know, Hercules 2, Mulan 2. Lion King 1.5. Yeah, Little Mermaid 2. All of them were not nearly as good as the first one, right? And I didn't really have like a really strong opinion either way about Frozen 1, but I definitely came out of watching this movie feeling the same way I did after watching Frozen 1. Where I was just like, good music, cool setting, not the greatest story, but it's passable and nothing truly devastating happens. Yeah. And like the story for this movie is what is just like, honestly, the least interesting because this movie is just a vehicle for the soundtrack. Yes. In my opinion, you know, the actual plot was Elsa learns the source of her powers. They go on a journey in some forest. Sterling K. Brown shows up. That's great. Otherwise, songs, 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 cool animation all around them rinse repeat for two hours i think the best thing we can say about this plot is that it made sense sure it totally (laughs) made sense and we can't say that about every movie oh no and they hit you over the head with i guess what's happening with the lyrics as well yeah definitely i mean at the end of the day it's a kids movie and so we were saying this as we were watching it but you have to kind of reiterate things sometimes in a kid's movie because you want to make sure everybody who's watching it gets it. And that's what they did. We can't fault them for that. It doesn't make it exciting necessarily to watch as an adult, but the music was very good and Adina Menzel, amazing voice as always. And I think the supporting performances were executed well. And I'm sure that we look at the Disney movies we cherished as kids with sort of rose-colored glasses in that regard. Like, I don't have the full transcription of the songs from the movies I loved growing up, but I'm sure that if I read them out, it would be explaining the plot beat by beat to me. I mean, the songs were pretty damn epic. And like that was made even more apparent in the closing credits where they had the covers from Panic at the Disco and hey, even Weezer. Patrick's perennial favorite. I stan Weezer every day ever since I fist bumped Rivers Cuomo October 30th, 2010. Wow, that is a specific memory. At 9.03 p.m. (laughs) And I think that may have been my favorite song, by the way, is Lost in the Woods that was sung in the movie by Jonathan Groff from Glee, if you remember him. That was an epic, epically sung, very fun visuals. You know, they like made Queen references and everything. I think that was my favorite song throughout. And again, I'm a little biased because of the Weezer cover, but that may have been my favorite epic moment. Hey, when Weezer are playing a song written by some EGOT winning composers, then, you know, it's probably going to be pretty good. How are you guys? What was your favorite songs? I liked The Next Right Thing, the song that Anna sang 
after Olaf flurried away, which was very sad. It's very dramatic. She's trying to find her way in the world and find how she can support her sister and save her home. I found this song to be really hopeful and potentially inspiring to younger kids or even, you know, preteens who are just trying to figure out like where they're going or what they're doing. And I don't know. I can't fault Disney or their songwriters for like writing something that's like happy and inspirational. I mean, the Lopez family, they know how to inspire with all those EGOTs that they got. Mason, were you humming and singing Into the Unknown after this? Not really. I wasn't humming or singing any of the songs in this movie, not for any particular reason. I think it's just because none of them really stuck with me other than Lost in the Woods. You also dug Lost in the Woods? Yeah, I think that just stylistically, it was done really hilariously. It, you know, it was it's very popular right now to be lampooning sort of 80s, 1980s culture. I mean, honestly, that was the moment where they gave something for the parents. Right. It was meant to be this callback to power ballads of a bygone age, right? And in a lot of ways, it really worked, but I feel like they didn't get there fully. The minute it starts getting comical enough, like comical to the point where it's like actually really something that I was super into, it veers right back into symphony orchestra, regular musical type stuff. Can't have too much fun. I wanted the punch dancing scene from Hot Rod, but they didn't quite get to that level. Oh, there was like one other song that I liked. And that was When I'm Older that Josh Gad sang as Olaf. And I just thought that it was very cute and definitely is playing to the young kid audience as well as, you know, this whole movie is. But I like the little bits in the film that as an adult, you can look at and say, oh, wow, this song is teaching kids something without them realizing it and might help them cope with something without them realizing it. And so this When I'm Older song, I thought was a cute way of introducing an adult idea to kids in a really accessible way. I had the same sort of feeling watching that sequence as well, because in the first one, it was all about Olaf and wanting to be in summer and not realizing that he'll melt in in summer, right? And it's this the whole sort of idea of like really wanting to belong somewhere when you clearly belong somewhere else and introducing that concept to a younger viewer. In this one, Olaf's sort of like jumping back and forth, just saying, when I get older, this great thing's going to happen. And when I get older, this great thing's going to happen. And it's a grass is greener mentality. But when you're watching it, you're like, silly, Olaf, that's not going to happen. But not only that, but understanding that maybe when you get older, you'll understand more things. And the concept of taking the time that you need to like learn and understand and grow and that you might not get it now, but you might get it later. I think that that's pretty present here, too. Which is definitely very uh, apparent as a through line of the Frozen series. Like that's what the DNA of Frozen is about as a whole. It's about Elsa and Anna growing into themselves. So it's nice to, I guess, see that depicted by a whole other character and I guess a different light for all the themes that they want to really drive home to the kiddos. Yeah, definitely. It's very powerful themes of identity mm -hmm. and vocation. Yeah. Yeah. Know. Finding your place. Yeah. And the other kind of adult thing that I think they snuck in here was the idea of coping with loss because Anna and Elsa's parents died and they have to confront thinking that they knew what happened and then finding out that it was something completely different and gaining closure via magical means in this case, but being able to understand what happened 
and growing in that way. Yeah. I mean, I wish we can all talk to ice sculptures of our past relatives and cope that way, but these guys do. Maybe we'll get that eventually. Yeah. Disney, can you animate that into existence? I mean, Walt Disney might be frozen somewhere himself. Oh my God. I didn't even think about that, but he totally might be. But folks, before we continue, make sure you never miss an episode or any other content from us by hitting the follow or subscribe button to Son of a Ginger wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, give us five stars, write a review. We know you got a lot to say. But you know who else has a lot to say? Me, with my next point. So, this is a Disney princess film. Mm-hmm. How does it stack up with the rest? Since it's a sequel, I don't know that it necessarily overshadows the first Frozen as like a standout piece as like a property as a whole. Frozen is so successful and you can see that they replaced the ride in Norway at Epcot with a Frozen ride. There's Frozen merchandise everywhere. You see little kids with the Frozen backpacks and you know, you have the little lizard in Frozen too that we know for certain has to be on the Shop Disney website. Only made for merchandising. (laughs) It's a very cute lizard, but... I think Frozen as a Disney property has been used well as a teaching tool, but also as a definite merchandising opportunity. I mean, a generational game changer, at the least, Frozen. Not really Frozen 2, though, that's the thing. I think that truly it's very hard to genuinely rank all of these Disney princess movies because my grandma grew up with Alice in Wonderland and Cinderella and Snow White. She definitely has an aversion to the newer stuff in favor of what she grew up with, right? And I feel like everyone will feel that way. For this generation coming up, Frozen is their thing, right? Frozen is their Little Mermaid. It's the one. It's the cultural touch point for what Disney movie is going to be the seminal Disney movie for just millions of kids. Now, you mentioned earlier in the podcast how Disney used to do sequels for VOD, I mean, VOD, as we knew it back then, aka DVDs you can get at home, this still had a theatrical release, but boy, did Disney snap up the opportunity to put this on Disney+. Plus. So in that aspect, how much of a true IP cash grab is Frozen 2? I think every sequel definitely is, just because it gives them the opportunity, like we were saying with The Lizard, to introduce new characters, create new merchandise, get merchandise with the sequel logo out there. Even if it's not that different, you still have the two. And if it's newer, I think even if kids already have merchandise from Frozen 1, the new Frozen 2 stuff is so attractive and shiny and new. I think that it's always partially because it's going to make them money and it makes them smart business people. Yeah, You mentioned Disney just making sure it gets fast-tracked to Disney+. Plus. Something tells me that, you know, they were so backed up in the development of the Disney Plus app and gathering the catalog and making sure the UI looks good and all that stuff preceding the launch of Disney Plus that they just said, okay, Frozen 2 out in theaters. But I wouldn't be surprised to find out that in a boardroom somewhere, Frozen 2 at some point was planned to just be a straight to VOD Disney Plus release. And be out there on launch, you think? I think that this is where Disney Plus is going. Because with the subscription, with the at-home entertainment, Disney just stands to gain way more subscribers if they're releasing these flagship IPs exclusively on their service instead of in a theater. I think that they'll continue to 
put out flagship IP on Disney Plus like they did with The Mandalorian. I think it'll be much more for TV shows and less for their movies, especially princess movies, because you will get people to go out and see those in a theater and make money off the theatrical release. I think that maybe for certain things, it'll be more about Disney Plus and making sure that there is exclusive content there. But they already have a lot of the content, a lot of their library on there exclusively anyway. So I think Disney Plus is not going to make Disney give up theatrical release. I agree with that. However, I think with the entire COVID situation happening right now, and I'm not a parent, but I know a lot of parents, it's hard to get a bunch of kids to the theater. It's hard to even leave the house. So imagine for the same price as the movie ticket, 20 bucks to see Frozen 2 a couple weeks after its theatrical release. I'd be jumping all over that. I don't want to drive the kids somewhere. I just want to put some stuff on. I mean, there's a lot of voting with the wallet that needs to happen before they make the jump to like extreme exclusivity, right? Is The parents need to essentially draw the line in the sand and be like, no, it's not worth it to take my kids to the movies anymore. I mean, it could be $100 if like you, your kid, and then you bring some of the neighborhood around to see Frozen 2 or Frozen 3 or whatever. I will say, though, with kids who are a little bit older and can handle going to the movies, it's an activity. And there is something to be said for getting out and doing an activity, even if it is sitting in a dark room watching a movie screen. Some kids are just good with that kind of thing. And it's not just for the parents, but what about grandparents who don't just want to sit and watch their grandchild watch a movie? They want to get out. They want the experience of buying a big popcorn and doing something fun and making a memory together. Because I definitely have memories of going to a theater with various family members and saying, oh, wow, I saw this thing for the first time on a big screen with this person I love. And I had a great time. And I think that that is the ultimate appeal of a movie theater in general and like why I continue to go see movies there. I think that definitely streaming has changed that a lot and made me save a little bit of money by not having to go to a theater all the time to see something that I really want to see. But it's about going out and making memories. And maybe I just drank the Kool-Aid, but I still really enjoy that experience. I totally agree with that point. Because I will still remember for my eighth birthday, saw Harry Potter 2, wore the Quidditch robes and everything. Nice. And I know my coworkers who took their kids to this when it came out the first week in theaters, all their daughters were wearing the princess dresses. They were having a blast. And it was, yeah, truly a memory to be made. So I agree with that point. But yeah, I do wonder, we don't know how much longer this will last if all kids content will just be the most exclusive thing on these streaming services for the time being. Possibly so. And maybe depending on the box office of Frozen 2, which I'm sure it was great, depending on a lot of factors, I guess, they could do Frozen 3 straight to VOD and then have their next big IP out in the theater. You know what I mean? Where it's just Disney Plus is now where these popular franchises just go to fizzle out like all of these Disney franchises do. And we only remember the original. Yeah. Right. I totally forgot they made Little Mermaid 2 until you brought it up. Right. Yeah. It was a different era where they could really just slap a name on a DVD and parents will buy it. Now I think everyone's a little savvier and content is at least has a standard of being a hair better. But Mason, are you already smelling a Frozen 3? Are you smelling a threequel? I guess. I, I really don't care. <laughs> 
Sorry to say it, but I'm sure this will get a, a three cool and a four cool and a five cool. I think it's happening according to we got this covered.com and their source that like confirmed a lot of previous like Disney movies. There's one down the line. Apparently, Anna and Elsa's parents come back to life. I don't know how. I don't know how y'all think they'll come back to life. I don't like that. I think that goes back on the learning to cope with death. That's so bad. You're giving kids a false thing to hope for. That's so bad. I don't know. There's something that's just kind of disingenuous about these franchises becoming life lesson of the week. And it's just like, okay, well, we're just going to take our characters and figure out something that we need to teach kids. And then we're going to tie it into a whole thing. We get these Oscar winning composers to write all the music and not going to fail. You know, there's there's no vision. It's all a formula now. Yeah. What would y'all rather see? Are we going to pitch our ideal Disney movie right now? Let's pitch the better Frozen 3. Let's do it. So first, we need three more lizard characters, all different <laughs> colors. We had fire, so we'll have wind, earth, and water. I think maybe they should just do a crossover with Frozen and Avatar The Last Airbender. I think that's what needs to happen, except post-Fire Nation attack. Yeah. I mean, but we now have this fifth element that's just the Elsa element. I forgot what that element even was. She's the bridge. The bridge. The bridge. That's it. No, the bridge she, element. She and Anna are the bridge. Oh, right. Because a bridge has two sides. Which is my segue into my pitch for the plot of Frozen 3. What is it, Jones? So at the end of Frozen 2, we have Anna and she's ruling Arendelle and Elsa is now out being the ice queen she was always meant to be. And I think that a compelling third act to this trilogy would be to finally force the sisters into conflict. Mm. Elsa sees something like you know, have a premonition or whatever and be like, this thing's going to happen, but we need to do this thing that's going to be really bad for the town. And then Anna is like, no, but I love the town and I love my sister. So who do I choose? And that's the life lesson there is that like, it's okay to have disagreements. Like you need to talk through them. While it's all a story about federal versus states rights. Uh, oh no. I do hope that if they do make a Frozen 3, which all signs point to yes, that they don't make Elsa have to have a prince. That they let her be herself. And like, there's nothing wrong with her finding love, I think, but it is nice to have a princess who has power, who doesn't have to have a prince. And I don't know, I have a lot of people in my life who are single adults and they don't need no prince. Exactly. Like they're they're happy, fulfilled people. And I think that it's nice to have that sort of role model in film as well. I definitely think that Disney movies do have this sort of knack for driving home negative stigma of relying on someone else to keep you happy and that kind of thing. And that's good with Elsa's character being very independent, but they would have to figure out a new development for her character. Because I could also see her really like becoming at the end end of whatever the story is being like a more of a omnipotent like being, you know what I mean? Like kind mm -hmm. of just fully embracing the magic element of herself and just kind of ascending to being the snow goddess of Norway or whatever. <laughs> I think what will happen is 
global warming will just occur in Arendelle. Everything will melt. And then we see Moana float in and it's the <laughs> Disney princess crossover we've all wanted. Oh man, can it be Moana and Lilo and Stitch? Hell yeah, it can. This is all in our heads. <laughs> oh, well, we've been in our heads this whole time. But you know where you, else you can get in our heads? Is on our Instagram, at Son of a Ginger Podcast. You don't want to go in my head. It's, <laughs> it's not a fun place. Pretty fun. I mean, definitely as fun as our entire library that you can check out wherever you get your podcasts. Just subscribe to Son of a Ginger and you got them. And we'd love to get in your head and read a review that you wrote us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher and just give us five stars. Write us a little review. We'd love to hear it. And we've been loving to hear all the ethereal voices from all over the forest. But I hope you've been loving our voices as well. I'm Patrick Baylor. I'm Beth Marcinko. And I'm Mason Tired Moreau. And with one final exhale from the woods, 